0: Well, we continue in this series called Hashtag Rethink, Engage in Technology Without Disengaging God. And so uh, this morning, we are going to talk about filtering. The title of the message is I Filter. It was my first mission trip to Honduras. We had encountered several different uh, difficulties at this point that are typical to mission trips. The first of which was the showers. They told us about these showers when we got there. They said, be very, very careful because the hot water, the water is not hot. The way it becomes hot is it flows down over an electric coil. And as it flows over the coil, then That's what makes the water hot. So when you are showering, do not reach up and touch the coil. Uh, If you do, you'll die. And I remember again and again and again in those showers saying to myself, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. That's all I did. Uh, They called those widow makers for a reason. And then it was Tuesday of that week and how surreal it was to be out of the country during 9-11. And so the attacks that occurred occurred when we were uh, in Honduras and hearing that from our point of view and the challenge of wondering how we would get back into this country in light of everything that was uh, uh, rolling out was very, very difficult. But then we got to the hotel where we were staying on the Saturday. We were to leave uh, and fly home and they had water. And they said it was clean, and I drank it, and I shouldn't have. It was unfiltered water. It wasn't clean. When I got home, I became ill. It wouldn't go away. I went to the doctor, and they did a test, and sure enough, I had a foreign parasite living in my stomach, enjoying uh, all that it had to offer, and so I had to take medicine. We have thought in a developed country for many, many years about water and it's filtered and we drink it, never ever thinking a word about it. But about 10 years ago came another flow into uh, our homes whenever you got internet at your house. And it has... Uh, While unfiltered water has the ability to destroy your body, unfiltered internet has the ability to destroy your soul. You can see things you would never otherwise see. You can listen to things you would never otherwise listen to. Uh, The internet has the capacity for greatness and it has the capacity for awfulness. On it or by it, people learn how to build bombs and blow up uh, homes or airplanes. On it, people are encouraged in their walk with God, encouraged by a support group if they uh, have cancer and are going through that. The internet is this place, if it is unfiltered, could lead to an unfettered life of sin and debauchery. And so it is that God's ancient word has a word for today. It is that God's ancient word speaks to what we need to hear and we're going to listen in today. The one liner of the sermon today, if you're jotting down notes, you want to take this home with you, is this. Because of what God has done and what God is doing. Make every effort because of what God is going to do. I'll flesh that out. Because of what God has done and because of what God is doing, make every effort because of what God is going to do. Then that begs the question, what has God done? Peter is writing to some people who are embattled by false teachers. And Peter's job is to help them to see that the God of the universe hasn't forgotten them. And Peter says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Godliness. Let me unpack this for a moment. The word granted is important. Granted means to give gratuitously, to... To bestow upon someone, to simply give as a tremendous gift, God's divine power has granted to us all things. But if you could see this in the Greek, you would discover something else is the word all things is actually second in the verse. The the first word is just simply a connective word like four. But the very first important word in this verse is all things. Peter wants them to get that God's power has given them every single thing they need. All things God's divine power has given you. That means to you this morning who know Christ, there is no temptation that sees seized you except that which, which is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand. But in every temptation, he will make a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. There is nothing too hard for God. All things he has given to you, all things he has given to every single believer, all things. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Peter does this, I think, three times in this passage. He uses uh, these words put together. There's a, a, a formal word for the, in the study of, English, of literature, but uh, the words mean the same. Life is godliness, he's saying, and godliness is life. You've seen the t-shirts, right? Football is life, or soccer is life, or fishing is life. Uh, Peter is saying godliness is life. And life is godliness. The way to live, if you know Christ, is to be godly. And if you're being godly... You're really living then. If you want to really live, be godly. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Who what? Who called us? Who called us? That was his first act. If you know Christ this morning, it isn't because you went looking for him. It's because he came looking for you. It's because he sought you. Uh, He bought you. He pursued you. God called you. John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus is talking and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give to you. John 6, 44, same thought. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. If you have come to know Christ, it is because God in his grace one day called you. One day he called out to you. And when you heard the call by his grace, you responded and you said yes. He is called us what to his own glory and excellence. We'll deal with that in just a moment. By which he is granted. Second time that word shows up. God's a giving God. His precious and very great promises. All right, so here's Peter doing it again. Precious means very great. Very great means precious. Let's talk about that for a moment. What does the word precious mean? It really means rare. I did a little digging this week. Californium is a metal that costs $27 million a gram. My guess is that there are not many grams of it lying around, right? So Californium is precious, but it's not very great in size. But check out this diamond. Uh, This uh, diamond was mined in 1999 from South Africa. It's a pink uh, diamond. It uh, was later auctioned uh, for a mere $83 million. It's 60 carats almost in total weight. Uh, It comes in at about $1.4, $1.5 million a carat. It is both precious... Rare and very great. It's big. God's promises are like this diamond. They are precious. What makes them rare? Nobody can make a promise like God. Amen? Nobody can make a promise like him. There's no other person who can promise things to you like God can. God makes unbelievable promises and they're great what makes them great he keeps his word right it's election time and what do we get not very precious promises a whole lot of them right just a lot of promises i mean just promise this and promise that and elect me and i'll do this so they're not very precious there are a lot of them uh, and they're not very great why nobody keeps them Right? You make a promise, and then uh, two years down the lo- road, you don't keep the promise. God's promises are precious. Uh, only He can make a promise like that. They're great because only He could keep such a promise. He gives us these promises. Why? so that you might become partakers remember this is what God has done already so that you might become partakers in the divine nature what in the world does that mean you and I participate in the divine nature what does it mean Uh, The Greeks would have understood Peter. They had the same idea with their gods that maybe you could work yourself to a certain level and participate somehow in that divine nature. Uh, the Jews believed the same thing. They saw it evidenced in certain esoteric ways. It was quite possible to get to such a level with God that you would operate up here. But what I, the reason I'm going into this is because I don't want you to confuse the means with the end or the means with the result. How is it that you and I, as followers of Christ, participate in the very nature of God? John 17 Jesus prayer. Let's look at this prayer. Jesus is praying. You've got to get this. I do not ask for these only. All right. The 12, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, all of you who know Christ, would you hear Jesus praying for you right now? Here it is that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That's a precious and very great promise, isn't it? The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Here's how it works. This is the means. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. What is the means? When you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. He takes up residence. He makes your heart his home. He comes to live within you. You begin to partake, become a participant in the divine nature of God every single day. Every moment of every single day, the Spirit resides in you. That's what God has done already. He's given you his spirit to live within you. Jesus prayed for that. God answered that prayer. Because of what God has done, what is that's the means, what's the result? An ethical nature, a working out of this where our actions start to change right? When the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, he produces in us desires and motivations to act differently. Christians are different. We're different. So because of what God has done, but let's not stop there since Peter doesn't, and because of what God is doing, having escaped that word having is important it means ongoing escape all of life from the moment you come to christ is an escape route out of this world into the next having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire so let me deal with the word corruption all right and the best way i know to deal with it is to reflect on uh, my son and his fishing All right, so I shared last week, uh, we went fishing. I caught nothing, right? He and his buddy caught everything. They come home and he goes out on the carport and cleans the fish. So he cleans all the fish, uh, six or seven fish or so they caught. He cleans all the fish. And when he does, he takes the fish guts and he puts them in a uh, Walmart or Frisbee's bag, ties it at the top and drops it down in a metal trash can. He didn't check to see if a bag was in the can, just bag of fish guts. All right. So a few days pass, and what happens? 83 degree weather, metal can, fish guts. All of a sudden, I walk out of my back door, and I think something has died somewhere. It's awful. So it's Wednesday on Thursday morning, Trent's, uh, one of his jobs is to take the trash out to, to the street. And so, so I said, Trent, you're going to have to get that bag out of there. I'm thinking fish guts are in the big bag, right? I have no idea that I had put in a bag over that So Trent goes, he takes his shirt, he puts it, pulls it up over his nose. He grabs this and he walks all the way to the street, shirt over the nose. And I see him, and he's running back to the Jeep. And he jumps in the Jeep, and my Jeep is full sideways. He says, Dad, close that door, close that door. I close the door, I get in. He said, smell of me. (laughs) We're headed to school. I smell of him. Do I smell like fish? Guts? No son, you smell like whatever cologne you wear. Oh, he said good. Why? Who wants to smell like corruption? Fish guts corruption the word means rottenness. Rottenness. That's what corruption is. All sin leads to fish guts so theological, isn't it? All sin leads to corruption. You know, in my job, uh, I see people and I smell the corruption. Seldom do people call up and say, Jerry, uh, it's Tuesday, uh, five o'clock, walking by the Spirit all day, thought I should tell you. right you don 't do that no it 's when the smell is bad. the phone rings uh, it 's corruption right and, and, and it 's when it smells bad, and I love you and, and and I love you know pulling up the shirt and getting the trash out like i I love doing that with you it 's my call it 's my job it's it 's what God has called me to do is to do that. Uh, but don't forget that Peter says who called us to his own what? glory and excellence. All right, here's the call. But corruption brings us down here, doesn't it? Every time sin corrupts, every time it results in rottenness. So what has what is God doing? He's He, by the Spirit, helps us escape the corruption. You don't have to sin. Every time you do, it's it's your choice. You can never say, the devil made me do it. You decide and and you sin. It's it's your call. It's your choice. Uh, Well, where does this corruption come that is in the world because of sinful desire? Let me touch on this for a moment. We're going to dive down deep for just a minute. The question often comes to me, where does sin come from? Where, Where does sin come from? If God is a holy God, did he create sin? And so I had the same prof for Greek and for Hebrew. So you're a smart dude if you could teach both of those at a seminary level. Dr. Tom Howe, uh, my professor for both Greek and Hebrew. And here's what Dr. Howe, years ago, I remember him saying. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they had never sinned and they never knew sin, right? The garden was pure and they're created uh, just with great purity. But there was the capacity... To sin, Much like this. I've never broken a bone in my body. Ever. Just never have. Um, but today I could trip and fall and break a bone in my body. You might say that brokenness is inherent to my bones. Just as sin lies dormant in every person until it's exercised. Long about three months, if you've ever had kids, right? It's exercised. So it was with Adam and Eve. The potential, right, to break the bone, the potential to sin is there. Now, what happens? That sin is produced, or the corruption is produced by sinful desire. So let me deal with that for a moment. The word desire is a good word, desire is a good thing. So the desire for food makes you work, doesn't it? Right? Your your hunger, your hunger drive causes you to work. But if you have a sinful desire for food, what do you do? You overeat. That's a sinful desire for food. The desire for sex causes you to procreate causes you to seek intimacy with a a man or a woman as your husband or your wife. But if you have a sinful desire for sex, you'll have sex outside of your marriage. If you have a sinful desire for sex, you'll have sex before you get married. It's the sinful desire that produces the corruption, not the desire the desire is good. The sinful desire leads to rottenness every single time. There's not a time when it doesn't. It's an irrevocable law. So what, what is God doing? He's given us escape routes. Escape routes. Out of every single temptation, he's given us escape routes. So because of what God has done, divine nature because of what god is doing we get to escape corruption right now make every effort that phrase make every effort for this very reason make every effort doesn't occur anywhere else in, in all of new testament it's like peter coined it just for now what is peter trying to say do everything you can Because of what God has done and because of what God is doing, do every single thing in your power to do what? To supplement your faith with. The word supplement supplement means to provide at one's own expense. All right, so God has done this. God is doing this because he is you do everything you know to do. Because God has given me all things, I must do all I can because God has given me all things I must do all I can so let me let me just share with you being transparent when I blew it with this this week all right so this week uh, I had this in my mind I get these ideas in my mind and they get really just just more romantic or more idealistic than they ever should and so Hannah's getting her wisdom teeth cut out on Wednesday her favorite thing that I make for her is cheeseburgers on a charcoal grill no lighter fluid light the chimney right just do it right get them to where they're just juicy in the middle is anybody hungry this is killing you guys alright so that's my favorite thing to do for her so I plan to do it right so I rush home to get that done and she's working at frisbee's because I know she's not going to eat anything decent for days so her last food memory is going to be cheeseburger from dad. In the process of that, are you ready? This is just how twisted human beings can be. I get mad at her over something. So the whole time I'm cooking for her, I'm mad at her. I know it's crazy, but I'm a human being like you. And so. I'm just frustrated and I'm thinking Jerry you got to get it together. You know, and I'm cooking and I'm doing all of this and I had to run here and run there and figure out and get the grill lit and the charcoal didn't light like it was supposed to do. And that made me mad and I'm just you know just slamming things around thinking Jerry get it together. Get it together. When she gets home you got to be smiling. Come on. How are you going to serve her a cheeseburger with a scowl on your face? And so I'm praying while I'm working around. I just Lord, you know, you got to help my attitude. It's awful. God, help my attitude. You know, doing all this. And she comes home and what do I do? Just jumped on her. Like, here's your cheeseburger. And, Who wants to eat that cheeseburger? Like nobody. And after it's all over, I'm feeling awful and feeling sorry. And I'm like, "Hannah, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And that kind of thing. And it dawns on me, you're preaching on this Sunday. Make every effort. Do you know what every effort has become for me? I just want to be very transparent here. Didn't used to be, but I always thought the older I got, like the easier it would get. (laughs) No way that it does not happen. But every effort for me almost always now requires this on my knees. I I don't know exactly why, but I have a hunch. It's something happens when I get on my knees that I feel so low before God and and he's so high that things start to rearranging my mind and when it was all over on Wednesday evening I thought um, or Thursday evening or Tuesday, Tuesday evening I thought why didn't you just get down on your knees like why didn't you make every effort does that make sense every effort do all you can because of all God has done right just just every effort. I, I would dare say most of us miss this most of the time. Most of the time we do not make every effort to supplement, to at your own expense. To do what? Supplement your faith. There's a long list. We won't deal with all the lists this week because if you're in a life group, you either already have this morning, you're going to deal with this list. This list gets close to home, doesn't it? Supplement your faith with virtue, which means moral excellence, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. I want to camp out there for a moment. Uh, Self-control in the New Testament almost always had to do with two temptations. Almost always. Now, it covers a multitude, but it almost always had to do with two. uh, The overeating and oversexed. Those were the two. Eating too much and uh, having an over-desire for food and an over-desire for sex. So I want to talk about this for a moment as it relates to internet and technology. Like one of the most tragic things with it is all the sexual information that flows in. All that your kids can be exposed to. And so as you leave today, Joshua Kilgo has put together three filters. This isn't exhaustive, but it's a good start. If you want to make every effort as a mom or a dad, do this at your home. Filter, these, two of these will filter everything that hits your internet connection. So it'll, it'll filter it there, right? So if a phone hits on your internet, it's going to get it first. So so two of these, one of these filters devices, there are many more. This is just a beginning. You can do your own research, but this is a beginning. If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, the 10 commandments of technology, we went ahead and just printed it on the other side. So you got that again. Uh, you... You need to make every effort. Can I say something? I think there's this weird association. Remember back in the day when people had diaries, right? Teenagers, whatever, had diaries and they wrote in them. And it was considered sacrilegious for a mom to go in and grab the kid's diary and read it. And we like, oh, you know, violated some kind of prophecy. And perhaps that's legit. Could I say something today? Uh, your child's phone is not the equivalent of your diary. Do you know why? Nobody else was reading your kid's diary. It was just your kid and a piece of paper, your kid and a book, your kid. But do you know when your child takes a phone into their bedroom, which they should never, ever do, but when they do, do you know how many people are invited into that bedroom with your child? You don't. Neither do I. Why? Why? We don't know. Do you know in the privacy of that bedroom what your son or daughter can do that can damage him or her for life? As a parent, could I say something to you? Stand up, stand firm, guard your house, guard your children filter, get rid of this stuff. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, They what? Keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In in other words, you won't come to Christ and then just act like nothing ever happened. The very next verse says, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. To forget God's grace is to cease to grow. All right? So if these qualities are yours and they are not increasing, I'm nearsighted, meaning that I wear these glasses so I can see far away. I take them off and you look great. I'm just kidding. All right, so, so I, I put them on and I could see you clearly, right? Well, what Peter is talking about is as long as you're alive, you ought to be able to have clear vision back to the moments, the times before Christ, and when you look at those, not that they play a broken record through your mind, not that they bring guilt, they just bring a fresh awareness of the great grace of God that you were once lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. You were dead, but now you're alive. You'll see these phrases all through the New Testament. This is who I was. This is who I am now. And if you fail to see that, you fail to live out the grace of God. But if you do see this, if these qualities are yours and are increasing you will never fall peter says and that word fall is ultimate in its sense you will never fall into the abyss of lostness if these qualities are yours and are increasing wow so because of what god has done you're partakers and because of what god is doing you're escaping corruption make every effort why? Our praise team is going to come. We're going to close with a song is a newer hymn, so fitting. Make every effort to do what? Because of what God is going to do. Or for what? Because of what God is going to do. Look at verse 11. Can't leave it out. I love it. For in this way, when you make every effort in light of what God has done and what God is doing, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just want to elaborate on the phrase, richly provided for you. Commentators say that this phrase was used to describe Olympians coming home after having won the contest. They had won, today would be the gold, In that day would be a wreath, a laurel wreath And as they came into the city, everybody in the city, everything in the city had shut down. Why? To say they're home. Please hear me. When you and I live this out in light of God's work in us, for us, through us, when we get home, when you die, The gates, the gates of heaven will swing open and all of heaven will celebrate your arrival. Richly provided for you. Do you know I'm speaking to people who don't believe that? You don't. You're hearing me right now, but you know what your mind is saying to you? Oh, not me. Hmm. He could never do that for me. Yes, you. Yes, you. It's going to be like that. You come in. There's Kim. There's Kim. She's home. She's home. Yes, I've watched her. And there's John. And John is home. Uh, And heaven celebrates. John is home. And the applause begins as you come in with the crown of life that God has given you. The applause goes. And there's Carol. Carol is here. She's arrived and she's made it. And there's Matt. And Matt is here. And he's arrived and he's home. And there's Angela. And look at at Angela. She's finally arrived. She's here. That is heaven. That is heaven. Richly provided for you. So what do we do? Here's what the song says we're going to sing. I once was lost in darkest night. Do you remember that in your life? Do you remember that? Yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. That's corruption. I had no hope that you could own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. Do you remember? We're going to remember together. We're going to sing this. Would you stand? Uh, Several people in the early service needed to come and pray. And if you need to do that, Alan Michael will be here to the left. I'll be to the right. We'd love to pray for you and with you. Let's worship the Lord.